Questions are a funny thing. Sometimes you have some pretty funny questions. My son, Cade, recently asked that question. He's getting to the dreaded age, the age. And he said to my wife, he said, Mommy, was I always in your belly? We're like, mm, <clears throat> well, uh, the hyperbole in which the hitherto and next near to itness of the understated ramifications that you might be coming along to. And we just kind of did that until he got distracted and went and played Wii. So we got out of it for now, okay? Um, questions are interesting. Andrew, our worship pastor, uh, Joey's a witness this. We were sitting at Chili's, right? And Andrew, grown man, looks at me. He goes, Doug, I have to go to the bathroom. Can you hold my wallet? He's like, are you seven? Like, are you kidding me? You, I'm not your dad, bro. Like, you, you can't take your own wallet to the bathroom. What are you, you're going to get mugged in there? Like, you know? Uh, questions, questions. Uh, this past week, I was setting up with my kids. We were setting up for a game, and, and I, I, was, I just wanted to do some fun kids game with the kids and had some friends around. And, and so I'm trying. I'm literally standing trying to think the name of this game. And I said to my son, I said, Kate, what's that game? There's like music and chairs. He's like, musical chairs? <laughs> oh yeah, that's the one, right? So questions, questions, sometimes, sometimes plague us, right? So questions can be tricky. But you know what? I think that in all of our lives, there is this one question. That's a really tough question. And it's a question that comes up when we begin to go through some really hard things in life. You see, all of us go through some really difficult stuff. And when we start to go through those difficult things, I think this one question in our relationship with God surfaces. And you don't have to be a Christian to ask this question. And in fact, I think a lot of you that may be here tonight that aren't Christians may not be Christians, may not be followers of Jesus because of this question. But you don't have to be a non-Christian to ask this question. This is something I've asked. This is something that you've probably asked. And this is something that you probably will Ask again. It, it happens when suddenly things get a little difficult. It happens when we begin to go through financial struggles. It happens when we begin to go through relationship struggles. It happens when we begin to start to doubt God because of one reason or another. Things didn't quite go the way we thought. Expectations didn't pan out like we hoped they would. And the question is this, and again, this is on our relationship with God. I think a lot of us have asked this question of God. And the question is this, are you God or not? Are you God or not? I, I thought you were God. But, but see, the thing I can't get my mind around is if you're God, then why are you allowing this to happen? See, I think we have this, this struggle in our mind, and the struggle is, okay, either you are God and you're going to get me out of this, or I'm going to stay stuck in this because maybe you're not actually God. You're, you're going to change the financial situation because you are God or the financial situation is going to stay how it is because I guess you're not. You're going to heal the person that I love because you are God or they're not going to get healed and that I guess would mean you're not God. So are you God or not? This is a really important question to talk about. And the reason it's so important to talk about is because as you and I are trying to approach God and we're looking to see, all right, is he God? And, and did Jesus rise from the dead? And, and these, these questions begin to surface. They're very heavy things to walk through. In fact, somebody said that to try and work through these issues are very difficult. But listen to this. But to not work through them are deadly. To try to work through the issues of our struggles in faith are difficult. It's a tough thing. It's not an easy thing to ask these questions. It's not an easy thing to work through these questions. But to not work through them, to not work through this question of are you God or not is actually deadly to our relationship with him. 
And so it's really important. Somebody once said recently, I heard a pastor say that the number one reason people go to church is because something bad happens in their life. And I think that's true. I've seen a lot of people that walk through the door and it's like, oh man, just, I, I just got divorced. Uh, my, my, you know, my, I just had a tragedy in our family. This happened, that happened. But you know what they said? And this was, this was so true. The same pastor said this. They said that along with that, the number one reason people leave the church is because they go through something hard. It's somebody who was in a relationship with God. It's somebody who was close to God. And then suddenly something happened. They didn't think God would allow if he was actually God. And because of that, they decided, well, then I'm out of here. Because I can't get my mind around you being God and me going through this. It's got to be one or the other. I think that's true in a lot of our minds. Either you're God, and I won't go through this, or you're not God, and I'll stay stuck in this. But both can't be true. I can't see how you are God. And I could stay stuck in the middle of this trial. Difficult stuff. Some of us might tend to give up on God. Others of us might not give up on God, but if we're honest, it feels like there's a wall between us and God every time we pray, right? Some of you are there right now. It's like, I wish this were not an issue. I wish I could just know and know and know and know and know that God is God, but I don't. And in the midst of this, it feels like there's a wall. I kind of have a broad sense of faith. I pray. I still go to church. I'm still in a community group, but man, my personal, intimate relationship with Jesus just feels like it's stuck because I can't see how he could be God and allow me to stay in the midst of this. And so this is a huge, huge issue for us to talk about. It's literally, for many of us, the difference between people who will stay in a loving, passionate relationship with Jesus and those who may not. And so Like I said earlier, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might kind of find yourself saying, well, Doug, I agree with a lot of what you said. I I agree that I don't understand how God could be God and allow such things to happen. And maybe this hits you at like a philosophical level. And we're going to address that a little bit later. But what if there is an answer to the question? Well, what if the question is a good one and a valid one? And let me tell you this, one that God's not afraid of. But what if there's also a powerful answer? to the question. You see, as we look in the Bible, we, we find somebody who asked this exact question. We see somebody who went through a terrible time and asked this question, are you God or not? His name was John the Baptist. He was the cousin of Jesus, and he was called John the Baptist because he baptized people. And uh, John the Baptist was this guy sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. I mean, God put him on planet Earth. The reason God put him on planet Earth was to get people ready for what Jesus would come and do. And so he literally went around and he began to point out people's sin and he began to say, look, somebody's coming behind me. Don't make such a big deal out of me, but somebody's coming behind me, man, and you won't even believe what he's gonna be about. And he prepared the way. He was close with Jesus because he was his cousin. So on a natural level, they had this friendship and relationship. John was there. Think about this. John was there when He baptized Jesus, right? And then the sky literally opened and God the Father spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I think, listen, I think if any of us heard the audible voice of God, we would never doubt again, or at least we'd think that, right? We'd think, okay, I mean, how many times have you prayed that? God, just speak to me, make it so clear and I'll never doubt you again. I bet we've all prayed that prayer. John had that. John heard the voice of God like you and I never have. Saw Jesus You and I don't have that. And yet, something happened in his life that caused him to ask the same question you and I ask. You see, 
John didn't have great people skills. He got in the wrong people's faces. He got into this guy Herod's face, who was a ruler in Galilee. And he said, look, you're an evil man. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. And Herod said, all right, well, if you're going to call me out like that, I'm going to throw you in prison. And that's exactly what happened. And so John, who was all buddy-buddy with Jesus, who was doing this incredible thing, preparing the way. I mean, people had been waiting for John to come. I mean, much less Jesus, but, but for John to come for all these years to come and be the one that would prepare the way. Like people knew he was coming. He was a big deal. And now he's sitting in a prison cell. I mean, imagine the weight of that. Imagine you and I who are free today being in a prison cell tomorrow. Imagine how that would impact you. This, this past week I had to bring my car into the shop and it was over in Middle Country. And uh, so I, I called Joey. I said, hey, Joe, would you just pick me up? I'm right around the corner. I'll meet you at the Carvel on Lake and Middle Country. Can you just pick me up? And he goes, yeah, sure. So I walked down to the Carvel, and I'm standing there on the corner, and I got my bag because I was coming to work. And uh, I, I was just sitting there waiting for him to come, and my mind started to kind of wander. And I started to realize, like, this looked a little bit shifty. Like, here's this guy, 35-year-old dude, standing on a corner at a Carvel, and he's got this bag. And I hadn't shaved in a while. I was looking a little shady. And, you know, I'm just standing there, and I start to let my mind start to wander. And I start to think, man, imagine if someone mistook me for a criminal, and all these cops roll up, you know, and they're all yelling and screaming at me, welcome to my brain. And, you know, and then that's, that's what I'm thinking there. And, I, and, and then I see Joey's smiling face. I'm like, oh, God, thank you. You know, okay, no cops, just Joey. You know, so he comes and picks me up. So I get in the truck, and we drive back. Didn't think about it for the rest of the day, right? So we worked the work day, and Joey and Andrew left because my car wasn't ready till real late. And so I decided I was just going to walk back to the dealership. So I'm walking up 347, and all of a sudden I hear this car flying down 347. And it screeches to a halt right next to me. And I look, and it's a cop car. And the lights are flashing. And the guy in the passenger seat, the cop in the passenger seat, is staring right at me. And I'm staring back at him. And I'm like, why is he staring at me? And then he jumps out. And so does the cop on the other side of the car. And they're both screaming at me, put your hands on the car. Screaming at me right here in front of the church on 347. I was freaking out. My heart pounding. Until I looked at the cop who was driving the car, who was one of my best friends growing up. <laughs> he was driving west on 347. And he saw me walk out of the church, and he turned the lights on and did the UE and said, let's scare the life out of Doug. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> now, I don't know if what happened earlier in the day at Carvel was God being gracious and just getting my mind prepared for what would happen later. I, I'm, that kind of still freaks me out a little bit. But then he said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I... I'm trying to go pick up my car, and so I got in the back of the car, and he took me over there. So if someone says, hey, I saw your pastor in the back of a squad car, it is true, all right? It is true. But I'll tell you what, for the rest of the day, my heart was absolutely pounding out of my chest. I mean, there was a weight on me. Like, I called Kelly after it happened, and I'm telling her the story, and she was freaking out, because I, I kind of I told it like I told you, you know? And so she's like, what? why would they do that? You know, she's freaking out, you know? And I got to the John party, you know, and my buddy John. And, but, but man, I'll tell you, the rest of the day, there was somewhat of a weight on me. And, and John's joking with me in the cop car on the way as he's driving me to the dealership. I'm like, hey, yeah, that's a funny one, you know? And I was still like, oh, you know? I was still like... Okay, now, now, now let's go back to John the Baptist. No prank, right? No joke. I mean, what I feared for about 15 seconds, and it messed me up, was his reality. Sitting in a prison cell. He was this 
big deal. He was this big shot. He was the guy everyone came to see. He was close with Jesus. He knew God. He heard the voice of God. And yet now he's in a prison cell. And so a question starts to rattle around in his mind a little bit. And we pick up in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. And we see what happens here. It says, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. We'll just pause there for a second. So John's in prison and he hears about the deeds of the Messiah. Who's the Messiah? Well, that's another name for Jesus. It means Savior. And so Jesus is out doing all these great things and John's sitting in the prison cell. Jesus out preaching. That's what John used to do. John's sitting in a prison cell. Doesn't understand why Jesus isn't getting him out. Why aren't you changing this situation? Why am I sitting here? Why are you out there doing all this great stuff? And here I am. Why are you out there starting a revolution and change the whole world? And here I am stuck in this prison cell, stuck in this trial. And look at what he says in the next part. It says, he sent his disciples. This is John. John had some disciples. It just means followers. So John had some followers to ask, and sent them to Jesus to ask him, look at the question, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? What does that mean? The Jewish people had been waiting, waiting for a savior, for the Messiah, for God to do something for a long time. And John is sitting here going, okay, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are you the one that was coming? Are you the savior? Because if you're the savior, why aren't you saving me? Why aren't you rescuing me? Why aren't you getting me out of this circumstance. And so basically, you know what John is asking Jesus? Are you God or not? Because John couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that he was sitting in a prison cell if God was really God. He couldn't wrap his mind around God being God and him sitting there not being delivered. It was either Jesus was God and he was going to get him out or I'm going to stay here And I guess that might mean you're not the one we thought was to come. And so this incredible question goes out. And I wouldn't have wanted to be either of John's two followers that had to go ask Jesus that question, right? Those two guys were doing rock, paper, scissors the whole trip to not be it, right? Like, no, 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 you got rock rock covers? Okay, all right, you're asking Jesus, right? And so one of them got the guts up and said, hey, John wanted us to ask you, are you the Messiah or not? Are you the Savior or not? He's sitting in a Jail cell, he wants to know, are you God or not? It seems like a pretty heavy question, but you know what? It's the same question I ask sometimes, right? God, my wife's still sick. Are you God or not? My, wife, my, my, my mom passed away in November from cancer. Are you God or not? God, this relationship didn't end up like I thought. This friendship's really hurt. That person did this or said that, and then, I feel broken. Are you God or not? Same question you ask. My parents' marriage is still a mess. Are you God or not? Same question you ask. My, my finances, God, are a wreck. Are you God or not? You parents in the room. My kids aren't turning out like I hoped. Are you God or not? It's the same question we ask. Thankfully, Jesus gives John an answer. And it's actually interesting how it works out because Jesus really gives John, and really not John so much, but us, he gives us really three answers through this story. And you guys know I'm not a three-point kind of guy, so I'm gonna work it all down into one 
nice little memorable thought for you when you walk out. But as you look at this story, John asks one question, are you God or not? And, and Jesus really answers in three ways. And, and these three things are such a big deal for you and I. And so let's look what verse four says. It says, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know what he's saying with that answer? He's saying, I'm God. I hear your question, John. I know I'm not coming through for you right now. You're stuck in your cell. But I just want you to know that those are things that God does. God heals. God rescues. God changes situations. And I want to tell you something really important. I hope, I hope you know, if, you, if you're coming here for the first time tonight, you don't think I'm saying God never comes through for us. God comes through for us in amazing ways. But man, like we're learning tonight, sometimes we sit in the prison cell for a while, don't we? And, and what Jesus is trying to establish here is, look, just because I'm not coming through for you in the way that you want to, me to, that does not negate that I am God. John, you sitting in the prison cell doesn't mean I'm not God. Here's the deal, John. I am God, and you're sitting in the prison cell. Both are true. It's not one or the other. Both are true. And you know what? For you and I, kind of in our own little prison cell, going through our own issues, I think Jesus is trying to say to you tonight, listen, I understand you're in pain. I understand that this hurts. I understand that it's really difficult, but I want you to know something. You being in the midst of that trial doesn't make me not God anymore. I am God. And so Jesus gets this message back, and then he says in verse six, and this is so important for us to hear, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you're going to be tempted in your relationship with me to think I'm not doing what I should do. Don't trip over that. Don't let that be something that's like a stumbling block that you fall over and decide I can't follow God if he's going to do things like that. And so he says, all right, I'm going to affirm that I am, I am God. I am the one. I am the Savior. I'm the Messiah. But man, tell John not to trip over the fact that I'm letting him sit in that prison cell right now. I'm still God. And then it goes on a little further with another answer. After I'm God, as John's disciples are leaving, Jesus turns to the crowd and he says something that's so powerful. And I don't know if John ever heard this part of it because his disciples had already kind of left. Maybe they heard him say it, I don't know. But I think we get a really powerful answer here. Because what, what Jesus says in verse 11 is this. Truly I tell you, again, he's saying this to the crowd after this whole discussion. Everybody probably heard the whole thing on the side with John's disciples and the whole deal. I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. You know what I think Jesus is trying to say here? You know what I think we could take from this? Is not only is Jesus God, but, but he loved John. I mean, he said that there's no one greater on planet Earth. How many people have you ever said that about? I'm guessing the person you said that about was someone you deeply loved and you were close with. Like, there's no one like you. There's no one like this person. I mean, that's something that's reserved for somebody who's really special and important to you. And I think Jesus is trying to just drive the point home. You know what? John's not in prison because he did something wrong. 
John's not in prison because I'm mad at him. John's not in prison because I don't love him. And John's not in prison because I'm not God. No, see, I am God. And I love John and he's in prison. It's all true. So you might kind of be tempted to say, all right, well, if I'm honest, though, that sounds a little bit messed up because if you're God and you love John, then why is he still in prison? And I think that's the answer of the question that we all bring to him too, isn't it? Right? I think some of us need to hear that second answer because some of us maybe don't go the are you God route, but we go the do you love me route. Can you be loving and let me stay in the prison cell? Can you be loving and allow my parents to still be going through this? Can you be loving and allow my kids to be going through this? And he says, yeah, man, I, I'm God and I love you. So what's the deal then? Then why is John still in a prison cell? Why are you and I still in our prison cells, so to speak? And I think it's the third part of the answer that we get. And the third part of the answer that we get from this story is that God has a plan. He is God in the midst of our pain. He loves us in the midst of our pain. And he has a plan in the midst of our pain. Where do I get that from? Well, seven chapters earlier, it's actually funny, we're in the same exact story. And there's this little part, these few verses that give us some really powerful insight to something. Look at Matthew 4, verse 12. Same story. Don't tune out because it's a different chapter. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Wait a minute. When Jesus heard John was in prison, what does it say? He went to get him out. No. He actually withdrew and went to Galilee. In fact, withdrawing to Galilee was pretty intense. I want to show you guys this map. You see where Galilee is? I know it's real small. Up on the top, basically, right there next to that large blue sea there. That's Galilee. Well, the first century historian Josephus tells us where John the Baptist was kept. He was kept in a castle in a place right here. So Jesus hears that John's in prison and he goes 80 miles in the wrong direction. He withdraws. He walks away. Some of us feel like that, don't we? In the middle of our struggle, in the middle of our heartache, at the worst moment, when things were worst, it felt like God just walked away. So what's the deal? Why would he do that? We know he's God. We know he loves John. Why would he walk away? Because he was he was living out the plan. I see, look at the next verse. In verse 13, it says, Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And look at verse, verse 14, so important. The reason he did this, why did he walk away? To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then Matthew quotes what Isaiah said. He said this, Land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, and Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What does all that mean? What all that means, all those towns and all that language in there, all that means this. 750 years before any of this stuff happened with John the Baptist, a guy named Isaiah, heard from God and prophesied that Jesus' ministry would start in a little place called Galilee, which you saw at the top of that map. And when Jesus heard John was arrested, he knew something. Guys, so important, so powerful. 
He knew the plan. And the plan was this. John would prepare the way. And when John was done preparing the way, Jesus would step into his ministry. And his ministry, which we know was a part of the plan 750 years before, didn't start where John was. It started in that little town called Galilee. That's where this great light would make its debut. And Jesus knew if he went to where John was, the religious leaders would go after him too. Now we know Jesus walked through crowds that wanted to kill him. So it wasn't a fear thing. It was a timing thing. It was a plan thing. Jesus just simply knew John's time is over and my time has come. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to live on the plan that I know my father sent me to fulfill. And so John got to sit, hear back, yes, I'm God. He may have gotten to hear, Jesus loves you, man. He said, you are the greatest of all who's ever lived. We don't know. In fact, we're pretty sure. John didn't quite know the plan Jesus was on. And yet, I can tell you something. I can tell you that I have this kind of picture in my head of John. I think John who ended up not only staying in prison, but being killed. I think he was standing there before the executioner. And I think this is probably what was running through his head. I can't believe this is happening. This is not how I would have, would have done it. But I know he's God. And I know he loves me. And I know he has a plan in the midst of my deepest pain. And I hope that's what you're hearing tonight. I hope what you are getting out of this, I hope what you are hearing loud and clear is that God is God and he loves you and has a plan right in the midst of your deepest pain, right there in the center of it, that your pain doesn't negate him being God. Your pain doesn't negate his love for you and your pain doesn't negate his plan, that all of that is true at the same time that all of that can be walked through at the same time. It doesn't contradict itself. Jesus didn't change John's situation. He just simply affirmed, I am God, I love you, and I have a plan. You know, he may change your situation, he may not. He may change my situation, he may not. Like I said, God is a healer. We've seen God do great things. We have people stand on this stage less than a month ago and talk about how God has come through in their life and has done great things in their lives. So man, I think we need to be praying that God will do the impossible. But man, when we get stuck in the prison cell, I just pray that our faith doesn't erode because we can't figure out how he can be God and how we can be going through this. But those two things don't, negate each other. And so what do we do? What do we do when it's us, when it's us in the middle of it, in the prison cell? I think we look to the answers. We look to the answers and the answers are God is God. He loves us and he has a plan. And I want you to think about these answers for a second. You see, because we're actually in a better place than John the Baptist was. Just think about this for a second, all right? John the Baptist heard back Yes, I'm God, and here's how I'll prove it. The blind are seeing, and the deaf are hearing, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. You and I, you know what we hear back? When we say, are you God or not? You know what we hear back? 
I'm God, and here's how I proved it. I took your place on the cross, and I rose back from the dead. You see, I think for many of us, it's like, and I'm not trying to belittle your pain. Guys, I lost my mom. Life's hard, right? But, but in the middle of it, we, we take that current prison cell we're in, and it's like we lift it all the way up here and say, look at this. And it's like we take the cross, and it's like kind of hidden down here. Once in a while, we look back at it. I think what we got to do in the midst of our pain, in the midst of that, in the midst of the are you God or nots, I think we got to take the cross and pick it up and look at it and say, yes, he's God. Yes, he's God. Yes, this hurts. Losing my mom hurts. Having my wife still sick hurts. But man, yes, he's God. This proves it. He rose from the dead. I think the answer we get back for do you love me is better than the one John got too. Right, John says, or Jesus says to John, yes, I love you, and here's how I'll prove it. I think you're the greatest man who's ever lived. You and I hear, hear a better answer. We don't hear we're the greatest person that ever lived. We hear, I loved you enough to put myself in your place. I loved you enough to let my back be beaten and my hands be pierced instead of yours. That's a better answer than John heard. And when it comes to the plan, I think we can know that man, God is working something together. God has something going on behind the scenes we don't quite get. And I know we try to talk him down from his plan to go to ours. I know like we're in the midst of the thing and I'm praying for my mom and, and I'm saying things like, God, can't you see how much glory this would bring you if you healed her? How, can't you see how famous this could make you on Long Island if you healed her now and she's ready to die? You know, we, we kind of try to you know, make God change his mind or do what we want. And, and in the midst of it, he's going, I got a plan, I got a plan. Yes, I'm good, Doug, I love you. I know you're going through this. I know this stinks, but I'm, I'm, I'm God. And I love you, and I have a plan. And I think then we surrender. We surrender. We look to the answers that he's God, that he loves us, and he has a plan. And then we surrender. I think John the Baptist Surrendered. I don't think it was what he wanted. I don't think it was what he would have planned. But he surrendered. And you know what? Can I tell you something? When John was in heaven, he wasn't disappointed. Sometimes we need a little bit of an eternal perspective on this. When John stood before God, he didn't go, why'd you leave me in that prison cell? When he stood before God, he said, I know you're God. I know you love me. And I, I, now I see your plan. And now I get it. And so I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're in the middle of the prison cell or if it's coming in the future, but I, if it's coming in the future, I want you to be prepared for it so that you can know that your pain does not negate God being God or his love for you or his plan, but that right there in the midst of it, all those things are still true. Some of you guys at a philosophical level may be struggling with this. I can't see how God can be God and let that happen. I can't see how God can be loving and let that happen. I can't see how God's plan is good and let that happen. Well, let me close with this thought. I want you to imagine this. I don't know if this happened, but I, I want you to imagine God the Father looking at his son Jesus. I want you to imagine him saying, Son, I'm God. Son, I love you. Son, I have a plan to save the whole world. But it's gonna cost you your life.
It's going to cost you everything. You have no idea the amount of pain you will go through to save and redeem them. But son, I want you to remember, I am God. And I love you. And I have a plan in the midst of your deepest pain. Do you see how what Jesus went through was a good plan? I'm grateful Jesus went through what he went through for me, for you. Do you see how a good God, a loving God, a God with a plan can take that and use it? And so if you're struggling with this at a philosophical level, we look back to the cross again and we see this good God, loving God, God with a plan right there in the midst of terrible pain, using it to change your your and my eternity. If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I understand something. I understand that I keep bringing up the cross and the resurrection and eternity and heaven. And you're here tonight going, I don't know if I believe in any of that stuff. I mean, this message hinges on Jesus being alive. And you're like, maybe that happened, maybe it didn't. Here's what I'd say to you. I would encourage you to keep looking into it. If you're not convinced tonight, I understand that. That's okay. But man, C.S. Lewis said this, and we say it all the time here. If there's a possibility Jesus loves you, he rose from the dead, then wouldn't it be worth it to look into it? Take an evidence CD set. Come back. Or if you don't like our church, find a church you like. Talk to the friend that brought you. But man, keep looking into it. If there is a God who is God and loves you and has a plan for your life, then man, it would be crazy not to look into it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I would just ask you to focus on the answer. The question, are you God or not? The answer, I am God. I love you. And I have a plan in the midst of your deepest pain. Let's pray. God, we thank you. You haven't left us to ourselves. We thank you that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our anger towards you, that God, you are patient and you are good and you want to give us answers. And so God, I just pray for all of us here in this room tonight. And man, life's hard. Life is hard. Life hurts. We all have different kind of prison cells that we feel stuck in. But God, I thank you that that doesn't negate you from being God and being loving and having a plan right there in the middle of it all. And so I pray for those of us in the room who have just been angry, those of us who just had that wall up, those of us who have just not wanted to talk with you, not wanted to worship you, not wanted to open our Bibles, not wanted to go to church, that God, there would just be a surrender in our hearts tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been angry at him, or if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't even been angry, but there's been this wall, there's been this thing between you and him, and it feels like you just can't be close to him because you can't wrap your mind around why he would allow something. Can I ask you, just look at the cross and then surrender. And if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in. Like I said, if you're not ready tonight, if you're not convinced that he loves you and he died for you and he rose from the dead, then, then look into it. Get passionate about it. But if tonight you're sitting here going, no, I want to know Jesus. I, I want to be close to him. I want a savior. And I would encourage you to pray something like this just quietly. Jesus, thank you for loving me enough 
come in my place, to die on a cross for me. I believe tonight that you rose from the dead and that you're giving me this gift of salvation. Thank you that I'll be with you one day in heaven. And now just show me how real you are and help me to surrender to you. Amen.